short walk I had to go all the way to governors to uh, uh, the uh, first part I missed another podcast when they were saying like uh, uh, um, dealing with God and podcasting I wanted to go to that one after I do the wrestling podcasting uh, with Eric Bischoff and Jeff Jarrett and well the long walk was worth it the long walk was really worth it um, well, there were people surrounding both Jeff Jarrett and uh, Eric Bischoff, too. But I, I I got to talk with Eric Bischoff, and I got to say, Eric Bischoff, you're fired! He, he, he loved it, and the people around me loved it. Oh, my God. And Jeff Jarrett actually, I mean, not Jeff Jarrett, Eric Bischoff actually reacted. And he said, how many times did I got to get fired, man? <laughs> He actually reacted like we was in the ring and I was Mr. Man and he was in the ring reacted to I fired him. I was so rich I wish I would have recorded it. Oh my god. I, but uh I didn't get to do the questioning. I'm gonna do a question in Vince Man voice to Jeff Jarrett about uh working with Stone Cold Steve Austin um during the WWE and ATW, but then you had time, but I wanna impersonate with Vince Man uh with my voice. But the people surrounding me and her got to hear it, loved it. And even the person who uh, approved me speaking at podcast movement, he heard it and he was flabbergasted the way that I was very talented with the Vincent Man voice. Oh, that made my day. That made my freaking day. I'm now glad I came. I'm glad I came. Oh, that was well worth it. That was well worth it. Oh, my. Oh, man. Oh. But what you're going to hear is uh the uh wrestling event that i went to and the picture is gonna uh, on the marquee is gonna be eric bischoff and me picture i can't believe i just got a picture of eric bischoff i can't i can't can't believe it i can't can't believe it and then i saw jeff jarrett unreal this is unreal this is freaking unreal you believe that i hope i hope you enjoyed this experience only on the Big D zone will you hear something like this. Only in Big D country will you hear something like this. Oh my god. I came in a little bit. Well, I, I was early, but the program will come in a little bit late. But uh, it got the whole thing anyway. But, uh. Holy cow. Oh, and I did ask about. Uh, I asked somebody about. Uh, did uh, uh, Questlove have backup dancers? Nope. It was all him for three hours that, uh, at the party all him for three hours that so was just confirmed so i'm glad i i'm glad i uh uh stayed and played uh wheel of fortune and pressure lock and uh all that good stuff so i'm glad i i'm glad i stick around to play i had i had fun at the real party that was the real party and, uh, and everything but i can't believe i got to meet eric bischoff had a picture with him Fired him and Vincent Man, and he actually loved it. And then I was telling Vincent Man voice the thumbnail. He said, "Oh, I liked it when, when you fired uh, when you said I was fired." He liked it. He actually liked it. Oh my God! 
And then he actually lived by Yosemite National Park on one of the national park, and you know him and his wife is living living in a great, uh, nice house and stuff like that. And I I can't believe it. I, my uh, my my voice was well liked by Barry Bischoff. My my the man voice was well liked by Eric Bischoff. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Sound bite 
traffic back. But we all have uh, different relationships with the, with the media in our sphere. And, and again, it, it's again repurposing content. And then all of our podcasts are on YouTube, uh, video components and all that. And so uh, when Conrad had told me, you know, the, I think the third episode we did, uh, I did a two hour and 50 minute podcast about it, which blew me away. All ours are around two hours. But you take two minutes here, three minutes there, just little bitty sound bites. And that may be on our YouTube channel, but we repurpose it and we tweet it. And then you put it on Instagram and then you put it on Facebook. And just really, it turns into this massive social media snowball. And collectively with our two or three million followers and all that, it's like that snowball just keeps moving and moving and moving. And so I would suggest that you guys, whatever your niche is, whatever your podcast is about, you sort of got to, you got to get in that. You may be a, a dirt road or a two-lane highway, but if you keep getting into different media lanes that are all talking about your sphere or niche or whatever your podcast may be, it, it truly creates your own snowball. And once it gets rolling, it, it is, it, it is, again, I, my family's promoted wrestling since 1946, but oh. I, I would never dream the audience that would be, and our format is, we talk about past events. There's nothing current. There, that we literally talk about our, our shows are evergreen, and so they're gonna be as relevant today, and next year, and the next year. But it, again, we, we continue to repurpose it in the social media world. And it, uh, like Conrad started with the statement, to, to, and I'm still amazed at this, we have never spent a penny on advertising. And that sort of goes to the, the strength of that that social media engagement uh, can be monetized. How's that kind of oh, That's great. And Eric, one of the things you and I do on our show sometimes is we will talk about old subjects from the past, but we'll find a way to make it relevant to today's conversation. And then the conversation continues on social media now. So the idea is let's try to court attention at all costs and make sure it's the type of attention that we don't necessarily have to pay for. So when we make a, a parallel there on our show with something that happened, say, in 1996, and then we bring it and talk about the industry today, which is professional wrestling, the subject of a lot of our stuff, man, it just finds it out. All the peripheral media, they quote it for us. So they put it on their website, they put it on social, we retweet it, we position ourselves as the experts in the space. You can speak to that, I'm sure. There's two things that I found that works for me with social media, and it didn't come right away. I kind of had to learn um, by experience and by failure. Um, but I learned two things. One is that if I can find a way to in, interject humor into some of my tweets, not just be snarky and try to come off as the smartest one in the room or anything like that, but to try to, to, try to frame my responses in as humorous a way as I possibly can. Because those are the ones that get retweeted, by the way. Those are the ones that get pushed out there. Um, and then the other thing that I, I learned is, even though what we talk about, in my case, you know, really covered a certain era from about 1993 or four up until about 2000, so it wasn't that long a period of time, six, seven years maybe the most, but it was a kind of an important era in, in, in our industry, in the professionalism industry. So we talk about all that, but as Conrad pointed out, making it relevant to what's going on today, and we call it peripheral media, but there's a lot of newsletters and all kinds of media out 
example of something that was important back in 1997, and how the same thing is kind of happening right now, that's when it gets picked up by the peripheral media. And I think we're, I don't follow everybody else as close, but I know that ours is probably book, my show, our show, Adrian Music. I probably see it on the alleys of four or five times a week in everybody else's media. So making, even though you're talking about kind of historical events, making portions of it relevant to today's product really goes a long way to getting some of that social media traction. You know, and one of the old things that I've always believed is everybody's selling, right? In one way or another, everyone is a salesperson. So when we were building our show, Don and Giovanni and I, what we would do is we would ask, hey, what's the easiest thing to sell to this audience? And the answer would be, let's run a poll. It's silly, but we ran a Twitter poll, Tony, and we would say, hey, what do you want to hear about next? We had a few different topics, but that was real-time instant feedback from our listener base. What exactly do they want? That almost alleviated pressure from us in terms of, hey, what's going to get good downloads? Can we just guess? That's like playing darts in the dark. We run a poll, Tony, and we would know. Here's what they're buying, right? Well, yeah, we, we knew that. And, uh, hello. Uh, we knew that. We, we also did something else, too, where we would have asked questions of me, and we would have a whole show based on Ask Tony Ask Tony anything. And those questions would be put on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, and we would bring those questions in. And it was a may, way to make those listeners feel like they were part of the show because they could hear their name. And that was very special to them. And that's how we also built, built the following that way, by putting them on, on the air. And we, we still put people on the air. We, uh, I have, we have people who are on our Patreon channel do our countdowns because our shows are wow. watchable. We watch old wrestling shows and make fun of a lot of stuff. <laughs> make fun of me. I, I'm out there making fun of the stuff that I said and the way I look and the earrings you're wearing. The earrings I'm wearing right now. Wow. Uh, I knew that was going to come out. I knew it was. So we that started with a show where we would just go back and Tony, do you remember? And the answer was, no, I don't. Uh, oh! I, I, I was doing a lot, we were doing a lot of wrestling shows, and you don't remember everything. And so he said, well, let's try to do a watch along. So we did watch alongs, but we would stop the watch along, and we would come up with polls. What show do you want to see next? What show would you like to watch from back in your childhood? Because this is all based on nostalgia. This whole, what we're doing here is based on nostalgia. And then for the polls, we would ask Tony anything. And again, that was a way to engage our listeners to be a part of what we were doing. And it, it all really worked. Well, and the other thing we did with your show, Tony, is we were authentic, right? So when we did uh, ask Tony anything, we meant anything. And we would ask those questions. I mean, there were people who would say, hey, Tony, uh, what's your process for taking a shower? Now, that seems silly, but Tony <laughs> oh. burned out of that. And then we were able to transition into a sponsor ad. And it was, it was fun. And the idea, I guess I'm trying to share is, you give a peek behind the curtain in your real life. Your wife is now part of the show, even though she's not on the show. Right. You, have, you know, lowest stories and right. You know, developing that community and sense of familiarity between yourself and the listener has been key. No, oh, yeah, it is, and it, it 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 helped foster a Patreon channel. So now I have my own Patreon channel, uh, which is much smaller than that three shows. But now everybody who's on our Patreon channel. Uh, 
feels like they're part of our family. Uh, and, and I actually do reach out to many of them uh, when they uh, when they become members. Uh, I actually will text them and then make a phone call and talk to them. And wow. Uh, it's a big deal, man. I mean, you, you talk to you talk to a, a longtime wrestling fan who was watching me back in the eighties, in the nineteen eighties, and now I'm talking to them on the phone. Big deal. And so it's just you just make them feel part of your family. So I feel that uh, what we are doing here is we're like I feel like I'm just like a part of anybody else that listens to my podcast. I'm a wrestling fan. Been a wrestling fan my whole life, and they're wrestling fans. And Conrad, you, you'll you'll back this up. We've made friends. Oh yeah, for sure. We have made friends from listeners, and uh, so now we feel like we're just kind of a big gang, and it's very large. But uh, more than that too, Tony. It's not just friends. I mean, we built our little podcast staff from listeners. Right. We had listeners first who reached out and said, "Hey, can we help with graphics? Hey, can we help with video?" It became a labor of love, and then eventually, as our shows grew, it became a part-time gig. For a lot of folks, it's a full-time gig now. Yeah, right. And because they're fans, diehard fans, we're for free. No, no, no. Oh, that's <laughs> not true. <laughs> but we 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 built uh, we built Conrad has built a, a very big staff for this this entire uh, seven shows that he does, and all these things that we do on Patreon and at three shows, and it's based on people that we met through podcasting and, uh, and now we're all part of it together. It's, it's been really a, it's been a wonderful one. Conrad and I are in our fifth season. We're getting ready to tape uh, episode number 239. Wow. Uh, and they're about three hours each. And it has been, we, what we do is we're two friends sitting together watching wrestling and you're watching along with us and you're laughing or you're talking. And sometimes when we go back and watch that old Old footage, I'll remember things. Oh my God. Oh. Uh, and I'll make up stuff. Right. Uh, just like oh. I do on TV. Okay. Um, but it's uh, it, it's been it's been wonderful. This has been a great podcast venture, and uh, and because we have a great support staff, which we really do, uh, it's even made it even better. And we've got I've got to reconnect with my friends too. I hadn't seen Eric in so long. I hadn't seen Jeff in a long, long time. Jim Ross and Bruce Pritchard and Kurt Angle. We never wow. Bruce <laughs> no, I didn't. Again, as a wrestling announcer, you can pretend anything. <laughs> oh. Uh, no, I I get along with with, with everybody. Huh? I don't know. I don't think I met Kurt Angle, and he's a part of the. We'll have to work on that. Yeah, we'll work on that. Right. Uh, here, let's talk about our listener base and who they are. They're ninety-eight percent male. Uh, and a good portion of them are well educated. I think 37% identify as a manager, director, VP, or C level. Oh. 59% say that they have purchased something from listening to our podcast. And we're in that all important demo for advertisers, and you know all about that. Yeah, it's, you know, thank goodness, you know, wrestling has got such a deep base of fans, and it's a generational type of audience. You know, I think some of our biggest fans and most vocal fans, people that participate the most with us, either on the podcast itself by asking questions or um, uh, in social media or on, on Patreon, fall into that 18 to 40, probably 25 to 
And these are people that were kids that were watching myself and Tony and Jeff and now influence, but also the passion for the, the industry is the same as it was when they were 12 or 15, but now they've got discretionary income. And a fascinating thing, this drives me batshit crazy, man. I'm so excited about this. Because people, sorry, I have to stand up when I talk or I feel like I'm not doing my job. Oh! <laughs> so, people have a perception of who the wrestling audience is. They have the stereotypical, unless you're a wrestling fan, people in, in the industry, the media industry. I was president of the division of Turner Broadcasting. Happened to be a wrestling company, but still. And people outside of the wrestling community have this perception of who a wrestling fan is. And they couldn't be more freaking wrong, right? I know I've got listeners who have reached out to me. One of them is a rocket, a legitimate rocket scientist that works for NASA. Oh. You laugh, it's true, young lady. Don't come on, tell me the truth. I've got another fan, and this this guy is a very, very active part of our Patreon community and he's a big supporter of our podcast. Um, who is a judge in Nebraska who recently got licensed to argue cases in front of the Supreme Court. Whoa. Wow. So what? Yeah, I'm not lying. Wow. And that represents the kind of diversity that really exists in our wrestling audience because people think about wrestling podcasts. Who's gonna who's gonna advertise in a wrestling podcast? I don't know. This dude sells two hundred thousand dollar mortgages all afternoon long, six to seven days a week, to a wrestling audience. We've got a lot of really high profile advertisers, you know, that you see on national television, like Echo, for example, who is a regular advertiser, because our audience does represent a powerful, much more powerful <coughs> purchase power demographic than most people who never analyzed the wrestling audience would ever expect. It's a really, really strong and very valuable audience. And because it's wrestling, and again, you know, if you're not a wrestling fan or into the industry in any shape or form, you kind of know wrestling's out there, right? You've got you know, WWE, you've got AEW, you've got some smaller wrestling organizations. But wrestling's out about five or six days a week in prime time now. Across five or six different cable outlets and one major television network that requires TV. Wrestling is a very powerful thing, and because we've got a legacy up here, we're old guys, <laughs> with the legends. <laughs> and Hall of Fame. Sounds better than old bastards, but. <laughs> oh! <laughs> but because we have such a powerful audience, and it's a very, very valuable audience to advertisers, and I'm starting to repeat myself. Well, yeah, let's talk about advertisers. You can see some of our sample advertisers up there. And one of the things we try to do is over-deliver. We want to make it real and relative to our listener, and we want it to try to be entertaining and fun. We feel like they're part of the show. And Tony, I feel like we've done a great job of that with a sponsor like Blue Chew. <laughs> yeah, Blue Chew has, yeah. has, has been kind to us in many ways. Uh, and literally. 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 <laughs> I, uh, I, fans will talk to me about Blue Chew when I'm on the way to the ring to do an interview for a show. Oh. And uh, so it's become a part of what, what we do. And we do this on, on a conversational level. I know most of you during your podcast would understand this. Conrad and I are talking about a match, and all of a sudden Conrad says, okay, we got to pause. Why 
we want to talk about WPP. Okay, and then we would just go into a bleachery. And sometimes we would spend about three minutes into a bleachery. Three minutes is a long time to get But it's giving them added value and it's conversational. And it's talking about me and it's talking about that I've been married for a long, 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 long time and how Uchu has helped out an old guy being married. And that's far as I'm going But, uh, Oops. And we have fields that, that helps with your sleep and helps you feel better. And now we've got uh, this, uh, lack of a better term, mattress pad that helps us out. And, and we use all this stuff and we talk about it. It's conversational. And it's worked into the fabric of what we do. And Can so, you imagine, Tony, not to interrupt you, but you're about another five or ten years with your people who don't like working for uh, <laughs> Oh! You're still calling me out there right now. It's going to make a fortune because we do the same thing for them that we do for Bluetooth and you've done for Bluetooth for all three. We, uh, we had, and I still use the products, we had uh, with us for quite a while Manscaped. Okay? Manscaped's some cool stuff, man. And Conrad did the most inventive commercial that I have ever heard because uh, Manscaped has a trimmer for you. Never stop. Never mm -hmm. stop. Thank you, whatever you want to say. And so we were talking, all of a sudden I hear. Oh. And he said, Tony, stop. You're getting hair all in my mouth. Oh. <laughs> and it was, it was brilliant. It really was. So all of a sudden you're listening to our podcast, and now we're in a landscape commercial, and you're with us. And uh, it's just, uh, it just kind of flows easy. And, uh, so that's that's how we've been able to work it in. Sometimes we have to work a lot of them in too, which is dangerous. Which is a great thing. That's a great thing. Absolutely. And, and Eric, we try to carry that over not just from the show but into social media. You've recently been working with a grill sponsor, and we've taken that to social media. Tell us about that. Yeah, there's a, a company called Rectech. I've heard of Rectech on a couple of other different groups on you know, political types of blood back shows. One that I kind of listened to in the past, and we always talk about Rectech. And I was a big Green Egg fan, still am. You know, it's hard for me to even imagine if there was another grill out there that I could possibly get excited about other than my big Green Egg. But I was, you know, I'd heard about it, heard about it. And I was about a year ago, actually, I took a picture of, a, of something that I was cooking up my big Green Egg, and one of the executives who happened to listen to the podcast saw that picture that I posted. It was just a general comment, nothing really kind of pitching. So he loved it if we were to watch. He reached out to me and sent me a $1,500 grill. You know, to try. He said, no, we've got to get you with our team. Here you go. Sent me a big grill, like 200 pounds of pellets, all kinds of gimmicks to go with it, and all kinds of cool stuff. So anyway, I tried this grill, and I actually did love it. Now, it's a different kind of grill than the Green Egg, but I use it four or five times a week. I became kind of an advocate for it, just on social media. No media buy, no promise of but I didn't even do it for any other reason that I like to grill. And my audience and social media knows I like to cook, so they get a kick out of seeing me cook something, right? Mm -hmm. And then Jake Green reached out and he was pitching Rectech unbeknownst to me. Jake Green is our uh, now sales guy. I was kind of reaching out simultaneously and saying, hey, well, give us a shot. Let, let's just see what we can do. I was willing to just give it away, you know, because I'm 
create a suit with the conspiracy a shot. So they did, and I just posted my most recent video a couple days ago. So now we, we do the read on our show. We talk about my territory very thoroughly and some of the great experiences I've had with it. But in addition to that, I usually videotape once every two or three weeks. I take something unique that I'm cooking on the right deck and I post it. And they absolutely love it. I think we're talking about a, a much larger extension across everybody's platforms uh, for over a period of time. So the video component and kind of a 360 degree approach to your customers if you have podcasts or if you're an advertiser, you know, kind of reaching out to the people that you, you advertise on and asking them for that kind of 360 degree approach. So it's not just, I'm going to read this ad because this is exactly what they want to hear you. Screw that. Have fun with it. Turn it into a story, as Tony was talking about. Make it as humorous as you can because it's, it's, it's more interesting that way. If the product, you know, wants it. Now, kind of hard to get real funny and have fun with insurance, but there's a lot of ways you can make a story and, and, and interject some humor into your, your advertisers. And like you're part of the show, I mean, when you're grilling these different things on your right thing, you call that segment of your social media 83 meats instead of 83 weeks. I mean, I grill 83 meats. I have a right here on my phone. I have a little app for my right oh, well, hand. If I wanted to right now, this is a cool thing. If I wanted to right now, I live in Cody, Wyoming. It's in the middle of freaking nowhere. Right? Yellowstone National Park, I can look at the survey and say, I can see Lusher from my backyard. I can see Yellowstone National Park from my backyard. I am Whoa. Like, I don't know. But if I wanted to right now, I could reach my pocket. I can pull up my little thing of phone. I can turn on my right tech grill and set the temperature from Nashville. I just wow. Something unique that I have done or that I want to show, 
I'll put it on my Patreon channel first, on ad-free shows first, before I would ever put it on social media. So you go to this channel if you want something special from me. Videos, I've done videos, um, me and my wife. Uh, it's, uh, we have this little bit. I would dress up and put a wig on, okay, and pretend I was uh, a famous wrestling figure. Got Kilmer's and Dumas. Oh, wow. Okay. It was not kind of an inside joke, but anyway. Uh, and I would, and we would do these videos. And so these are something special that you would get from, from us. And of course, if you're a, uh, like I was talking about, if you're a top guy, you get a phone call. And we have also Zooms to where you can look in and ask us questions and talk to us face to face. And uh, Zoom has really helped us out on that. On that and uh, so there's a lot of things that we give that make you want to be a part of us. And like this says right here, it's a community. It, it is a wrestling fan community. And they're all our friends now. And uh, we're very fortunate. And we had, we couldn't have it last year, we had conventions. We had a convention in the great city of Huntsville, Alabama, uh, back in, uh, I guess, 2018, the end of 2018, or 2019. Uh, but we had them come to Huntsville at a hotel and we had a whole meeting. And uh, that's where we got to meet people and, and, and really hear them. So, Mr. Wilson, if I can tag in to our um, community idea, one of the things that we started doing right off the bat is not referring to people who subscribe to the <coughs> shows um, as subscribers. They are, but we didn't call them that. We made a concerted effort, particularly in the very beginning, this family. Uh, and when, even if someone said, hey, do you want to be after shows today? I can't wait to meet them, whatever. And was, we respond to those people if they post that on social media. Welcome to the family. Um, I've had people, again, because of where I live, it's not an easy place to get to at all. We've had people from our Patreon page, the after shows family, literally drive 600 miles to come up and have a hamburger with me and Cody Whale. Because we, we encourage that level of connectivity in everything that we do, in the conversations, Tony talks about, when you call these people, I mean, I've made phone calls, and I'm sure you guys do tell me why, I get tears in my eyes. Because you hear stories, people feel like they've known you all their lives. Even though they've never met you, they grew up watching you, or they watched you during important times of their lives. You know, I can sit here and tell you stories that have really touched me deeply, because we've kind of, let that barrier down and let people get into our lives and treated them like family. And I think that's a big, big part of this. You know, it's like every show, the Patreon platform feeds the podcast network. The podcast network feeds, you know, the, the after shows platform. But the key to it all is to just let them feel like they're really people. Chad and Tony said it. Let them become a part of your life. Just let them in and talk to them like friends and family. Don't refer to them as customers or subscribers. It has a powerful effect on them. When these folks usually are going to spend you know, two hours a week listening to you, and in our case, often two hours a day, every day. And so they feel like they know you, even though you've never met them. And so you don't know, you know what sort of hard times they're going through. We were, I guess, right time, right place when we started this Patreon at shows.com. We started it last March. And of course, by the end of the month, the world changed, and people weren't leaving their house, and they didn't know what to do. 
Okay. We provided a worthwhile distraction and built some lifelong relationships as a result. But one of the things that we found is, you know, when you're trying to monetize a podcast, we just showed you a bunch of sponsors. And, you know, those are relatively easy for us to sell to our listeners. But the easiest thing for us to sell is more of us. And that's what Patreon represents, more of our content. And I'm sure you can speak to that a little bit, Jeff, about how we've overwhelmed them with not only the content, but the interactive experiences. Yeah, and years ago, you know, there was, whether it was a, a music artist or even a, a, a sports team or in wrestling, a fan club. And, it, it, you know, as he just said, as a family member, but now with the technology, and you just mentioned COVID hitting, Zoom calls. It's like there's no such thing as a conference call anymore. It, it literally is. You can see people one-on-one, and you can do it from the comfort of your home when they're just sharing stories about JR backstage, about him being on the Zoom call. Sometimes you just you think you're sitting in your den, but they're, you, your, your fan club member is sitting in there. But Jeffrey Tubin, I'm not the hard way. But the connectivity that you can, uh, and I, again, from a 30,000 viewpoint, we were talking about sponsors a few minutes ago, and if somebody's going to buy on your show, you know, as we know, whether it's TV, radio, or now digital, oh, there's another advertiser, another sponsor, click, let's move through, let's move through. That's sort of the battle above everything is that make the ad feel organic. And then when you're going to the Patreon community, make them feel just what we're, we're consistently sort of pounding in the ground here. But it really is the fancy sauce of everything is, is that you're, they are your uber fan and they want to not feel like a customer, not even really so much feel like a fan. They know they're a fan, but we're all fans up here ourselves of our industry. So we, the one thing that connects us with our audience is we love <laughs> of the, the, the industry of professional wrestling. So whatever your podcast is, you almost have to find that passionate, driven fan. And how do I connect? And what Conrad sort of TBF for is give them more, feed the bear, feed the monster. You just can't give them enough. And with our team of, of seven, and then we also have a peripheral talent that, that are on, you know, they don't have the podcast, but they're on once a week, twice a week. It, it literally goes back to that snowball of creating that community and it gets a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. I can't tell you how many former wrestlers or current wrestlers or people that I've worked with over the last 35 years they're like, oh no, no, I, I watch, I listen, I follow you on social media. Hey man, tell me about this actor community. And they're in the industry. I'm like, hey, we sign up just like everybody else. But but they do, and, and they are engaged in the product, and there's just something about the connectivity that you can create, especially now with Zoom and Google Meets and all that technology. You just bring them in, and, and we, we can, uh, Told Conrad, we only got 45 minutes for the four of us. We won't even get started we took to, 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 to really drill down and talk about the Patreon uh, platform because uh, it, it really is just give them more of what they want and what do they want. If they're going to make the effort to download your podcast and commit their time, that means that they've already sort of jumped on your side of the fence. Continue to give them more and get creative in what you give them. Well, just to tag them on. Kind of touched on it, but we didn't go into too much detail. How uh, we have family members on, on Anthony's shows that come, they're obviously listeners to our respective podcasts. Um, that we've kind of, kind of, has kind of turned into stars. They've signed up like everybody else. Um, I'll, I'm going to give you one example, for example, Lori Anthony. Uh, 
uh, was uh, a young woman with two young kids that we did this promotion where you sign up, you know, for EpicShows.com, you get a phone call from the garbage shop. And I would call these people, I'd spend 10, 15, 20 minutes on the phone with them, make them feel good, make them feel like we're friends and, and all that, family members. And this young girl, she was probably what, 28, 25, 27, somewhere in there. Um, she was so excited. She went running around. I remember I thought it was at Memorial Day, so she was at her parents' house. Everybody was rolling outside. She had two little kids. She's running around with the phone, you know, I'm saying hi to her mom and her dad and her husband. And it was kind of a big deal. I remember thinking to myself, she could host a show. She could oh. actually become a host. She was so excited and had such a big personality. But somewhere down the line, and sooner or later, she started hosting the show. Paul Bromwell, I think, kind of came about the same way, is a very integral part now of the Average Show's platform. And substitutes, because Conrad, you know, we told him, we, I told Conrad a couple of months ago, I said, if you do one more podcast, if you do one freaking more podcast, we're all going to get together and do the Average You cannot do any more podcasts, Conrad. It's impossible for that. But, you know, Paul is, is, he's come up and he's so good, he's such a great talent, and now he subs for Conrad. Conrad's out of town and I'm scheduled to do a podcast. And he does, he's not better than Conrad, he's different than Conrad, but on a, almost an equal level in, in terms of his abilities. Now he's not as well known, and he's not as much, you know, depth and range yet, but he's becoming a big star with our Patreon community. Yes, and when and when other people that are members, family members, when they see that happening, it just makes them more excited. Now they're really part of it, and we're seeing other people experience success just because they signed up. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and that's really what you know we think our Patreon is about. You know, lots of people have their favorite, you know, Elvis album, or maybe they have their favorite Elvis song, or maybe you even met Elvis once, but. If you got to actually have a conversation and help us know your name, that would be cool. And I know that seems silly, but if you listen to these folks every single day, maybe you knew them the last 20 years on TV, to feel like, wow, they know me and we had an interaction, we had an experience, that's what people are paying for, and they really can't get that anywhere else. So we've been able to monetize it pretty successfully. That's where you can see how we stack up against you know, other podcasts in the genre in wrestling. Uh, almost double the second best. And uh, it's all from just promotion. And you see over there little snapshots of our bonus events. Uh, Tony, do you want to speak to uh, some of the, the silly stuff we've done in like Rebels Happy Hour? <laughs> oh, yeah, we, uh, I think it's twice a month, right? That we have Rebel come on and uh, interact with the fans. And she happens to have a drink or two as she's interacting with the fans. And as the viewer goes along, the more interesting it gets. We also have hosts that make sure it stays on the up and up with her. Uh, and uh, she also brings in some uh, some people with her. There you see in that shot, she brings in uh, Dustin Rhodes, who's a longtime wrestler, to be with. Uh, we also have done some things with Medusa. Uh, there you see Arn Anderson, who's a longtime uh, wrestler and uh, now works for AEW. He also does some Zooms and he brings in some others for instance, he brought in the members of FTR's uh, big tag team in AEW right now to do a watch along with him and analyze. 
We also do uh, things with, uh, we scoop with Dr. Tom Pritchard. Absolutely, and we do silly stuff. You see in the bottom there, the mummy, that's actually Eric Bischoff, dressed up for our Halloween party. We do a costume right. party on Zoom. Right. Again, especially during the pandemic, or if your average 40 year old listener, you're probably not going trick or treating, so seeing Eric Bischoff dressed up like a mummy is kind of fun. It's cool. Yeah. We all had a, a dress up Halloween, and we were on Zoom with that, so. Uh, we just do some fun things and we brainstorm some things and why not? Why not try this? Why not do that? And uh, it's once again, I, I, I really think this that our family realizes we're thinking about them and we want to try to get them more and more, like Deb said, and try to be more creative. But we just, it's not, when you, when you join ad free shows or you join uh, WHW Monday Patreon, it's not a stale thing. It's not stale at all. There's something new, something different all the time now. And, and I think they really appreciate that. I wonder about briefly show too. Here's how our growth has been. And you'll see a big spike towards the end of the year. That's when we kicked off our annual. Uh, so we're normally just charging monthly. Patreon charges on the first of every month. So we implemented a new annual concept and you can see a big spike. Then it leveled out once we ended the annual. You can see that was around Christmas time. We started around Thanksgiving and made it through the end of the year. But we're still continuing to trend upwards. And a lot of that is just because you know we're promoting through social media. And I think they want us to do a bit of a QA. So if you've got a question for us, we've got a couple of minutes left here. We're going to sneak a couple of questions in and we'll get you on. Uh, yes, and yeah, I would I bet, I bet Steve would have wished he'd have known about that tan a little earlier on. But uh you know, one thing you talk about, like on the show, if you're getting like a show like The Twilight Zone or something, you can find that on Paramount Plus, Hulu, you can find clips on YouTube, but uh, how hard has it been with WWE Network sort of swapping to Peacock? I know like I went to watch Hog Wild the other day, 96, it's not on there. Uh, has it been hard doing some of those shows, uh, sort of covering them that people, I guess, can't find them uh, that are regularly available? Well, you know, we're fortunate that even though the WWE Network may not have it, it doesn't mean it's not somewhere else on the internet, like Vimeo or something like that. <coughs> and uh, we've also really had to rely heavily on trade publications like The Torch and The Observer and things like that. So I use those as reference points, and then Eric makes a regurgitation noise oh. and we argue with inspiration. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, uh, can I add something to that? Yes. Uh, we talked about family. When the, when the uh, WWE went down, they put things slowly on Peacock. We had a lot of our, our subscribers come to us. Here's where you can find it. So they helped us find these different shows and be able to watch them all. Okay, uh, you talked about earlier about incorporating humor in your tweets, is that correct? Uh, what other uh, things do you incorporate in your tweets to? You said there are like two things that you incorporate. Humor is one you kind of get people talking around you. But was there another thing that you try to do to get these people? Were you directed at me? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I try to be as positive as I can be. I stay away from negative comments. Um, it's it's hard for me sometimes because my sense of humor tends to be a little bit um, darker, darker, cynical. So my first my first reaction is sometimes you know what I think is funny. Here's what I found about, and I, I learned this the hard way, like most of us I've learned. Um, humor doesn't translate well. On a tweet, tone and intention doesn't communicate well in 148 characters. So what what I think is funny, and if you or I were in a room, I may say something to you that I think is funny, 
And you, you probably laugh along with it because you can see it. You can feel my energy. You know I'm joking, right? Context is king. Context is king. You don't get that in a tweet. So if you're just in a shitty mood and you read some snarky comment that I make because I think I'm funny, you're not in that frame of mind. You're not laughing. You're going to get angry. So I stay away from anything that's most of the time. I stay away from anything that's not positive and not a little funny. If I can't find a way to make a positive response to something or a way to make a funny response to something, I tend to leave it alone. So then when you're telling me it's just not reading all that, just keep everything positive and positive equals safe, right? I think so, because nobody would I mean, social media is populated by haters and miserable people, and they just want to see other people respond to this right. stuff, right? I stay away from that stuff. Let them have that. But if you consistently say funny, at least try. I'm not a comedian. Sometimes my humor is really, really bad, but sometimes I get funny. But if, either way, if it's positive, if the intent is positive, you'll build that audience, uh, and, and you'll get a more favorable response to the things that you choose most. Well, that's a conservative way to do it, right? Positive equals safe. That's the kind of thing you can't think about. I don't know if it's conservative or not. I just think it's healthy. I don't want to be in a room full of negative people. Well, also too, it's, it's what we're trying to sell. You know, we're trying to be people's escape. You know, we don't want to be their cable news. We want to be their escape from that. And I think that's what advertisers want too. You know, they don't want us to take a strong stance one way or another on controversial issues. You just can't help but alienate half your potential buying audience. So let's keep the train on the tracks and talk about old fun wrestling. We're, we're going over, but I feel like we should do one more and then we'll. We're sadly out of time. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you guys very much. Appreciate y'all having us.